Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Okay, so you're definitely going to make fun of me and think I'm probably the most ridiculous person in the world, and I don't care. So you already know that I have a compulsion to own a lot of coffee makers. Uh, yes. Oh, mm-hmm. I, I have a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, now <laughs> arriving on Friday. No. Is a hot chocolate maker. Stop. Why? <laughs> so, why? Literally why? First, first of all, I <laughs> my insomnia is to blame, first of all. That's the cold. I mean, I is this all because you want a decaf option, but you want something that's better than decaf coffee? No, it's hot chocolate. So we're not even talking about coffee at all. We're talking about hot chocolate. No, I know. But like, isn't hot chocolate? Hot chocolate doesn't have caffeine. No, I know. So I'm saying is it, I know, but I'm saying is it driven by the fact that you, instead of decaf, you want. No, it's truly because I love hot chocolate. I've always loved hot chocolate. We have hot chocolate as soon as the weather gets cooler. I had a cup last night. Penny has her flavors. We got hot chocolate in our stockings every year. I've tried powder. I've tried Mexican hot chocolate, spicy hot chocolate, all the flavors, chocolate bombs, everything. What I haven't tried is like true, like high-end luxurious chocolate flakes or pieces of chocolate to make chocolate basically from scratch. I think I've made it like once in my life over a pot and it was just like too messy and too much work. And I was like, whatever. Oh, it's so good. It's so good though. Right. It's so good. And so of course I got down this fucking TikTok rabbit hole about luxury. Where is it going on your counter? Well, it'll only be, it is small. And it won't be out like year round. It'll be out like in the winter. So please, for those not in the, let's just talk about exclusively your automatic. (laughs) Because I, this is not even getting into all the manual methods of making Uh coffee. But Uh how many machines do you have just to make coffee? Three. Currently out. Correct. And two of them do espresso? Yes. Okay. (laughs) 
Okay. <laughs> Does that include the one in the basement? Yes. Okay. So there's two there's, on your regular kitchen counter. There's a Keurig in the basement in Brian's office for one cup. There is a one cup brewvee on the counter upstairs. They also have espresso pods, but it's not traditional espresso. So like I just use that for coffee. And then I have a Breville Nespresso maker. So it still uses capsules, but they're espresso capsules and it has like the frother built in. It's like right. a, an right. espresso machine. Okay. So <laughs> what made you decide to do the hot chocolate? Well, I'm on this TikTok rabble and they're making just these luxurious high-end frothy Hot chocolates. Frothy. Frothy, oh, Frothy no. sold me. Frothy. <laughs> so I was like, what is this? Well, of course, the machine that this person is using, they're in Canada. And mm-hmm. so they have access to different things than we do. Sure. Their machine is like UK based, does not ship to the United States. And it was an arm and a leg, like very expensive. You put chocolate flakes in. They also sell the chocolate flakes. It's called Hotel Chocolate. I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that as fancy as the word is actually written because it's <laughs> European. Uh, there's no E on the end of chocolate, apparently. And so I don't know how you would say that. Chocolate. I don't know. Chocolate. <laughs> so the problem was, is that once I added it to my cart, they were like, oh, we don't ship to the United States. And I was like, well, that's rude. So you can buy that particular machine on eBay. But the problem was, is that finding that particular hot chocolate, and it says on that machine, like you only use our hotel chocolate in this machine. And so I was like, if it's this hard for me to track down that fancy chocolate, then I don't want it because I go through hot chocolate, especially in the winter, like a lot. And so I did my research and I went on my hyperfixation over like three or four days. And I was comparing all of these different hot chocolate makers and machines and narrowed it down to a couple of options. And what I'm actually going with, and this is just full circle. So I grew up with this hot chocolate maker. Cause it's not new. I grew up on Mexican hot chocolate. My family's Hispanic. I grew up on Mexican hot chocolate. It's like deliciously subtly spice. It's really thick. It's kind of gritty, but like in a good way, it's delicious. Well, there's this hot chocolate maker that is like, it's not just for Mexican hot chocolate, but like, it's like very known in Colombia. Like it is, everyone uses this machine. They make their hot chocolate with this particular chocolate bar. And it's just delicious. And so they had it on Amazon where I could get the hot chocolate maker with that particular type of hot chocolate. And then I'm going to order a different kind to do like a taste comparison and make them. And I'm very excited. What's the name of it? Okay. So I need to pull it up. I literally just blanked on it. Let me pull up my orders here because it will be here Friday. And when I make it and you're going to be so jealous, I am so it's, so it's Choctara. It's the original. So it literally just looks like a metal, it's a stainless steel kind of pitcher. It's small on a small motor. So it looks kind of like a blender, but it's very small. And you put the chocolate flakes or chocolate bar right in and the temperature and the type of whisk that it has like breaks up that chocolate and creates frothy, hot, delicious hot chocolate. And I'm excited, but you can also use it to froth milk as well. So like, okay, I'm looking at it for those of you who can't see it right now. And it's not as obnoxious as I was imagining. It looks like the size of the one cup blenders 
Yeah. The, like the solo blenders where you remember. Yeah. Or like a very, very small food like processor, like yes. a very small one. Yes. Okay. All right. I will accept this as fine enough. Um, uh-huh. Just so you know, you can do the same thing in a pot on your stove. It's so messy and it takes so long. <laughs> this is two minutes. <laughs> two minutes, no stirring, pour it right in my cup. I am all about efficiencies. I mean, I appreciate this for you. And I look forward to tasting it because Mm -hmm. I know it will Mm be worth it. I just find it super funny. Well, anyone could sell me an appliance. I love appliances. appliances. (laughs) (laughs) I want a whole butler's pantry just of all of my appliances with like a built-in outlet strip. On the wall. The problem is we influence each other and then we both end up having most of the same things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We live well, just come on for hot chocolate whenever you want. Well, okay. All right. I'll keep you posted on because your- it's my like, you know, I'm not very hungry, but I'm craving something a little sweet. And, you know, it's 9 p.m. and I'm like, oh, I want to have a cup of hot chocolate. We're a hot chocolate household. We have hot chocolate I, like every day. You just drink more liquids than any person else. I drink a on, lot of liquids. On, that I know mm-hmm. on the planet, truly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. All right. Well, thank <laughs> you for going down that rabbit hole with me. Funny enough, Jared was giving me a hard time about my Nespresso usage. And he's like, well, since you keep doing these double shots, I had mm. to like look into mm-hmm. some more reasonable options yeah and and i do know eventually when i'm ready to like financially invest in it i do want like an actual like espresso machine where it's not using the pods or the capsule right my sister has one she loves it yeah yeah i just i also truly love the ease of it and so i I will tell you when you go down that road it will take up it's like big. the wide, the yeah. width of like a dishwasher. Yeah. But yeah. like three quarters of your counter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. is yeah. so big. Mm-hmm. I know. So maybe once we get that, you know, butler's pantry behind where our laundry room is right now, when we move our laundry and we make that. Yeah. Have more okay. Room. I think <laughs> you're just going to have to move it to your library bar situation. I think if you did a wine and coffee. Yeah. And like made it all in there that that yeah. would work. The only thing that doesn't work so well there is there's, there's not running water in that room. There's no plumbing. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. you couldn't add it. It's on the backside of on the my bathroom. Of your like, bathroom. You can add it right there. Wow. All right. Brian's going to listen to this episode later and be like, no, quit <laughs> giving her ideas. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm so sorry. Okay. Well, okay. Well, I found this article that I wanted to chat with you about. And I just think it's funny because, you know, we had a great conversation with our team today about problem solving and innovations and kind of the steps that we you know, are suggesting that we all try to practice going through in order to present like the actual root of the problem with solutions, et cetera. And a lot of the, or some of the conversation that you and I were having just behind the scenes as we were prepping that was truly the ability to be clear and concise, no matter what you're bringing to the table, but like utilizing your meeting minutes 
as efficiently as possible. If you're someone on your team identifying a problem and you need to present that problem to your team to get buy-in or to get feedback, to be able to be really clear and concise about what it is that you're actually freaking talking about. If you're offering a solution, if you're presenting a new launch game plan, a new offer, a new marketing strategy, a new something, being able to really present that very clearly and concisely is a skill that I feel like we could all use practice on. And so I want to spend 40 minutes talking to you about how to be how to be more concise, more concise. Yeah. Well, I think it's timely because more than anything else I've noticed as of late, and I'm sure you guys have too. People's attention spans are waning. Yes. yes. More so than I've ever seen before. And I do think the media we're consuming is really is a big aiding part. into this problem. Yeah. But also, I do think more and more I'm seeing people who perhaps have always had these issues of attention deficit or signs of autism or other neurodivergencies that they are being more open and honest with everyone in their lives about how they're feeling and consuming things. And because of that, we as leaders of organizations who undoubtedly you have people in your organization who are attention deficit on top of all of the things the media has done to make you have smaller Mm -hmm. attention spans. Mm -hmm. And you need to be mindful that your staff needs clear and concise ways to hear from you because y'all have been in one of those meetings. And maybe if you never worked at corporate, maybe you somehow avoided this, but we've all been in a meeting where we're like, why are we still talking? And why is the same person still talking? Well, and you have those meetings in places even outside of your life. Like if you've sat in a PTA meeting or a volunteer meeting or some type of organizational anything, and you're just like, shut the fuck up we know, or the typical presentation when you were in college of the professor who would just read everything on the slide. Right. You're like, come through that. And so I want to walk you through some of these skill sets that you can be mindful of when you're trying to be more concise. This is an article from Fast Company, and it's called Why Using Fewer Words Can Make You a More Impactful Leader. And so I think it's really cool. And I like to look at this exercise more so in the creative critical thinking aspect. How can I challenge myself for fun to get what I want to say into five words, seven words, 15 words, like little words, not that I'm not going to expand upon it later or not after I say that sentence, we're going to go into some deeper explanation. But what is the challenge that you can do for yourself? This is like a writing exercise that a lot of people who write do, where if you feel overwhelmed about writing an entire book, okay, say an entire story start to finish in a thousand words or less. Okay, now write an entire story start to finish in 250 words or less. And there's even a challenge, it's called flash fiction, where you can write an entire story, beginning, middle, end, in seven words. I don't know how to do that. I've never done it before in my life, but it's a cool creative skill for you to do. So that's what I want you to look at this exercise as, okay, or this conversation. So There's two things I want us to pay attention, though, and know. So this article is backed by research, and they're looking at studies being shown in in teams and groups and companies or whatever. There's two factors that we might not fully realize have an impact on us 
oversharing or us continuing to take the floor or over explain or whatever it is that we actually do. One of those is just the simple insecurity of the need of needing to impress who you're talking to. You want them to like what you're saying. You want them to find value from it. You want them to be impacted from it. And if we're nervous or anxious about that, sometimes we can either cut ourselves off really short or we can continue to draw on. There's a, it's not called anything, but they were talking about this in research of how we are often a poor judge of how long a conversation should last and whether or not our audience wants us to wrap up or keep going. And if we don't have these cues, sometimes we'll ramble or sometimes we'll just be like, okay, I'm done. And there's like not enough context. So one factor is the insecurity and the the desire to impress. The other one, which is really interesting, we all know this, right? But your brain literally gets like pleasure in the reward center from talking about yourself. Every person has this, right? So even if you're not talking specifically about you, but it's your presentation, your idea, your whatever, it can be really easy to ramble and to bring in your own personal anecdotes and your own stories because your brain likes you doing that. Yeah, and I I definitely can see how having various communication styles could aid into this being an exaggerated problem. Absolutely. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but how can we learn some of those social cues? But also just, I think in general, I am of camp, let's not waste our team's time. And I am not of the camp, however, that everything that's a meeting could be an email. I fully agree with that. I absolutely think there's so much power in meeting with your team. I'd rather us spend more time shooting the shit than going over our actual agenda than not have the meeting at all. Yes. And whether you agree with us on that is neither here nor there. But the ability to be concise in that communication is still really critical, regardless of how you're communicating. Exactly. Especially if you're in like any sort of brainstorming or ideating meeting, this is when it's going to be super helpful. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. 
With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get Get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. Okay, so let's get into some things that you can actually try. So one is first... Tune into your verbal patterns. So it's literally just asking questions about how you think you communicate and asking others how you communicate. Do you speak on and on when someone asks you a question? Do you bury the lead or provide too much supporting data or stories instead of giving a high-level answer? You can practice timing yourself to determine the average length of your response or watch a video of yourself in a meeting to notice how many words you typically use. Or you can also ask your team members or someone close to you to really give you engage on, do you over answer or are you too short in your responses and you're not actually providing enough details? And I know you and I have done this for each other in the past where there's been like, you know, I think one of the easiest, like anxious traits when you're having a conversation and I see some, you and I both do this intermittently, like within coaching or when we're talking to a client, we'll ask a question, but then it's really easy to want to answer the question before giving the other person time to answer. And so sometimes we'll like remind the other person, like, Hey, remember, just like ask it and then shut up (laughs) and like let the person speak. Yeah. Or we'll even interrupt each other to try to allow for that to be more prevalent. I think it's also easy in that situation when you're talking to staff or even in a coaching situation where you're talking to a client that you ask a question or you try to dig deeper with them on something. And then if they don't start talking like in half a second, seriously, that you'll start trying to fill the air and like, well, that's coming up here in a second. So Okay. The next thing that I want you to really figure out, and this is kind of the pre-work that needs to happen before you go into this meeting or sharing this idea or project or whatever it might be, actually determine what you actually need to say. So it's called bottom lining. So like bottom line, what is the point that you need to get across? So this person is saying, 
He realized he needed to slow down and pause before he spoke to decide what needed to be said ahead of time. As his speech slowed, he noticed that the number of words he used decreased by roughly 50%. Even more surprising, his audience started visibly leaning forward in anticipation of his message as he paused to collect his thoughts rather than tuning out after he'd gone into unnecessary detail. Love that. I think there's some really interesting things that can happen there. And it's going to completely depend on your message, who's listening, who's in the room, who's not. But we've all been in a situation where people create curiosity in the tension. But you learning how to do that as a leader is like an actual developed skill you know, and so figuring out how to, especially if you're someone who tends to speak really quickly, utilizing a slower pattern of speech can sometimes be uncomfortable, especially if you're the kind of person like me who I can't listen to a podcast or a voice memo from anyone that's not at least one and a half times speed. Yeah. Because if someone's just talking, I'm like, hello. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I'm sure you might even be listening to this right now at a faster speed. And I think Emily and I tend to speak fairly fast anyways. But But there's also a difference in like when we're in a Zoom meeting and we're seeing our team, like their bodies are interacting with how they're talking and you're seeing face to face. Like I don't have a desire to speed anyone up in the middle of a team meeting because like we're all there person to person kind of thing, even right. though it's virtual. Right. Okay. So, so this is like what you were talking about. It's called practice the pause. So pauses are an effective method for creating an attentive audience precisely because they bring your listeners to attention and allow you to check in and read the room. So after you speak your first sentence, force yourself to stop and check in with your audience. Are they still listening? What do you need to communicate now? And do you even need to keep speaking? And this has been one of the most helpful things for me in order to gather my thoughts. I did a presentation to our own team just this morning and I wrote the thing. I've read the entire thing, but when I'm getting lost in talking about or describing a specific section, I need to have a beat to pre-read the next section and like, oh yeah, this is what I want to say here. This is the bottom line of this new or this next section. And I need a pause. I need a minute. And so I force myself to either like take a drink of coffee or like I kind of set back a little bit from my computer to like force myself to not just like keep rambling on. And I'm like scrolling ahead, letting it sink in for the team, letting them process. If anyone wants to interrupt with questions, that's their opportunity to do that. And then I can move on. And it doesn't have to be as uncomfortable as it sounds to pause. Like pausing can be really helpful even for you. I think we have a tendency to want to try to make every single gap worth something. Right. Like everything's efficient. But sometimes the gap is for you to literally just catch up. And take a breath. This is where I see a lot of people who are still struggling with the ums and uhs and Mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, they will start to fill it. Yeah. But if you can practice even just initially removing those sorts of things from conversation, you will get better at taking a beat, even if it's literally half a second to get your thoughts in alignment for the very next thing you're going to say. Yeah. Without attempting to fill it with something. It's been a skill that has 
something I've very actively had to work yes. on. But if you yes. listen to the f- first oh. 100 episodes of this Lord. podcast, you uh-huh. would hear a lot more pregnant pauses that were Absolutely. full well, of... Well, there's a really cool thing. So, you know, my mom and I have a side project where we're starting our own podcast on the side. It's a book review podcast. So fun. Well, I'm editing the show ourselves because I don't want to have to pay for that right now. And so I got this recommendation from a software called Decipher, D-E-C-I-P-H-E-R, Decipher. And it's so phenomenal for a lot of different reasons. This is not sponsored, although Decipher, reach out to us. You can sponsor this show. So Ultimately, I've always had a hard time editing video or audio content because my brain doesn't work the way that like sound waves across the scroll and you got to jump to that section and then cut and splice and scroll and listen. And it's very difficult for me to edit in that sense. I've never been someone who's great at editing audio or video content. Well, Decipher allows you to export your audio file and import it into their system. And literally what it does is it transcribes your entire show. So like you're reading it like a Google Doc. And if you highlight a sentence that you want to remove from your audio, you literally just highlight the sentence, hit delete, and it will remove it from the audio file and add in like an appropriate gap. So it's not like sentence on sentence on sentence. But one of the really cool features it does and why I think you could use it if you find yourself really needing to practice getting concise and removing your ums and ahs or your spaces is that like record a a meeting or record you sharing something to a team member or whatever it might be, upload that file into Decipher and you can go to file like remove, I don't know, a filler words or something I think is what they call it. And it will automatically detect ums ahs, uh-huhs, or any other type of normal words that are inserted as like a weird pause, and it will count them up for you. And you can realize how often you say it. And what's cool is that if you notice before you remove those, how long your audio file is, and then after you remove them, how much time does it cut from your message? And that right there is a way to be more concise. Absolutely. Because people still have to interpret right. the noises right. that are coming into their brain, whether it's a conscious thing or not. Right. Yep. Okay. So another tactic you can do is spend more time in listening mode. So this one is, according to Daniel Pink, in this To Sell is Human, which I think could be an interesting book to read, what most people call listening isn't listening at all. What they are doing is waiting for their turn to speak. We all know this, Right. So in your next meeting, try spending 70% of your time in listening mode and only 30% of it speaking. When it's your turn to speak, try asking purposeful, short, bottom line questions to encourage participants to come to their own conclusions. Questions like, what are we missing? Pause. Don't say anything. What's most important? Pause. Don't say anything. And what are our next steps? 
you will likely have had a boss who's done this before and been really annoyed by this process. So like, be mindful how much is too much of this kind of thing before it feels so far removed from your normal behavior that your team is like, yeah. what the fuck? <laughs> um, but, you know, it does take time to practice including their ideas more intentionally. And so maybe you can only do this for one or two questions a meeting initially, but right. over time you can transition more of the floor away. And I love the idea of being more clued in to not just waiting for your turn, like truly yeah. taking time to listen to what the person was saying and ask solid follow-up questions. This yeah. is a sign of an incredible interviewer. You've all listened to a podcast, yeah, I guarantee it, where someone is asking a question and they're either waiting to insert their own idea about the question they just asked or they so don't understand how to properly interview that they immediately just like change the subject to something that seems fairly far removed from the initial thing. Yeah. It might even be part of a list that they pre-typed up about like yeah. what the next question is, but a solid interviewer should be able to dig deeper on the subject, should be able to listen to what you're saying and ask a good question. And so, you know, maybe you're not a podcaster, no problem, but like Think about the last time you were in an HR interview and you were interviewing a new team member. Sure, you're going to have a set of questions you need to be asking because you're interviewing someone for the job, but also you need to be a good listener. And so if you don't have an adequate answer for you to be able to judge in this situation, if they're going to be a good fit for your team or not, then you need to know how to follow up on the questions. Yep. And part of that is being a good listener. Yep, 100%. Okay, so this last point is the one that I want us to really take away from this and really figure out what's the language that we're going to use in order to encourage our team to practice this skill. So it's train your team to bottom line. So if you have long-winded colleagues or people who don't know how to share their ideas and feedback, because we have both, train them in this skill of speaking crisply to the essence of what needs to be spoken. If someone gets trapped in storytelling, describing the play-by-play, -play, make it clear to them that you'll be gently interrupting to ask them for the bottom line to keep the conversation moving. So here's an example of, of someone who he's the boss and he's the long-winded person. So his habit was, and he wanted to practice this new skill and it was still a work in progress. So he recruited two members of his team to flash yellow post-it notes every time he started to run on in their weekly meeting, which helped him notice his tendency to dominate the floor. So they weren't verbally interrupting him, but they would just hold up a post-it note and he would see it and he would be like, okay, now I need to like wrap up my thought, get clear, get concise, stop talking. So then he said he also started to script out the single most crucial phrase he needed to say in front of his senior leaders to force him to deliver the message intentionally before he was attempted to launch into a larger explanation. I love that. I think that could be a skill for all of us to gain knowledge from. Well, and I think part of that, especially when we're talking about communicating with team members, you can make that really evident in Slack. Like it could be the five words that you bold to make it really clear when a deadline is. If you're planning for meetings, like I am a big advocate. I don't want to have the meeting unless you came to the meeting with your plan of what you want to talk about. And so having a solid agenda in advance. 
But then maybe you're ideating in a meeting or brainstorming in a group. I love being able to wrap up a conversation like that, getting really clear on what are our next steps, whether that's making a decision right now, whether that's continuing to explore things, really kind of wrapping it up with what are people doing because we just had this conversation. And if any time I can turn it into action, that's my plan, especially as a leader in this organization. I want to turn it into What's the to-do list? Who's doing what? Who's owning what? So there's no confusion because- What questions are still lingering? Well, you know, I think early on when we were transitioning to having more team members, initially the inclination was to either only have meetings to update them on decisions we had already made, which that's stupid, by the way. (laughs) Or you include them in all this like ideating, but then like you go away and make the decision and then update them later. Right. And we made a really conscious decision to a showcase our thought process in front of our team more rapidly in the moment, but also just like, if it does take time, what are we going away and doing? Not we're just going to go make the decision. Right. You know, right. Are we going to gather metrics on this one area? Are we going to reflect on X numbers? Or what is the thing that we're going to go do? And how are we arriving where we're arriving? And so part of that is, you know, including the ability to be more concise, but also wrap it up with a bow in a way so that there's a clear movement forward. And you don't want to leave all of this on your plate. Because long-term, you need other decision-makers in your business. And even if they aren't making the final decision, but you need other people on your team who can actually like, clearly and concisely communicate with you about what's actually happening within your company. If you're the only one who's able to explain that, then your brain is the only one thinking about it. Which I don't want that for you. I want want you to be able to have your teams fully support you. Mm -hmm. But even... Carrying all of these ideas over into your client communication and client experience, I think is a really big piece of this because part of my goal as a leader in this company, I not only want to equip our team to be more concise and more organized and have more systems and have a way or a process that things move through, but I also want this to feel that way for our clients. And so part of that is including them on updates and giving them a weekly synopsis of the things that are going on behind the scenes. It includes when we are asking for feedback, getting clear on the kind of feedback we want and when do we want it by, but also equipping our team with, yes, we want to be clear and concise, but not to the point we sound like a robot spitting information back at someone. We want to still have a personality and feel relatable. And so how do you include proper tone in your communication that's still clear, that's still concise? And it's an art and a science, but it's been really fun. I mean, I remember just so you guys feel a little better about this. (laughs) This is a learning process. I remember when I met Emily, I had to sit her down and have a conversation about how emails have subject lines for a reason and that subject lines help 
you search when you need to go back and find the answer to something. Just airing out my dirty laundry. I love <laughs> you so much. But when we started, you know, a lot of our internal operations was a shit show it was a shit show because there was like no clear naming conventions there was no clear like subject lines and emails like I could just go on and on and on but and now it's so fun because I am now such a stickler for especially naming conventions because I'm just like how the fuck do you think I'm supposed to find that if you don't name it what everyone else has named it We have to have naming conventions, file organization. I mean, there's so much to this. It's not just about the meeting. It's like right. all the follow-up pieces that make this all work together, you know? Yeah. Yep. Well. And it takes I, practice. And I it's okay. just overwhelm you all. I want to empower you to be concise. And truly, truly, I love the idea of practicing your limiting your amount of words that you're using to get to your bottom line. If you just start there, start with getting clear and concise on your bottom line of what is the actual purpose of the message? What do you really need to convey and lead with that? And then just keep paying attention to this skill set and supporting your team to perfect it over time. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor. To get podcast updates and all the behind-the-scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.